Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. I've been conducting a series titled Jesus the Great Storyteller. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at the parables and studying the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, a parable, of course, is a natural story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And Jesus told many parables uh, during his earthly ministry. And, uh, you know, it's so important to study the parables because we can learn how the kingdom of God operates. Jesus started many of his parables by saying the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like unto. So we can learn much about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven by studying the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also uh, one of the Old Testament prophets said that Jesus would open his mouth in parables and reveal things that had been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And so, I mean, that's... Uh, the studying the parable is so important. I don't know about you, but I'd like to have have things uh, that have been kept secret from the foundation of the world revealed to me. How about you? So that's why we're studying, or one of the reasons we're studying uh, the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you missed any of the previous sessions, I want to invite you to go back into our archives and you can go back there for free and get caught up on anything you've missed. But today what I want to do is I want to expound upon uh, one of Jesus' parables that, uh, that I covered last week, it, it, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Now, I covered this parable last week, brought out many truths and, and, and just many rich things in this parable last week, spent much of the session on it last week, and uh, answered some questions that, that I think most of us have had, you know, over the years about why God doesn't deal with evil right now. And, and much we said last time, but today I want to, I, I, I don't want to move on to another parable. Uh, today I, I, need to, I need to spend more time on this one, the parable of the wheat and the tares, because there's, there's a great, truth in here that we need that we need to to get a hold of and so uh that's why i believe the lord has me spending a whole nother session on it today and you'll see why as we as we go along here but uh if you would go in your bibles to matthew the 13th chapter i want to read the parable again read jesus's explanation of the parable and then get into something that i didn't get into last week that i feel the lord wants me to uh to, to, to uh, cover here in depth today. So let's read the parable again, Matthew 13, verse 24. Another parable he, Jesus, put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, see there it is, he's gonna show us through this parable, this natural story that carries a spiritual or a heavenly meaning, uh, he's gonna show us how the kingdom of God operates. Or we could say the kingdom of heaven. You could say it either way. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. 
The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them, them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. But let both grow together until harvest. And at that time, at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So there's the parable. There's the natural story. Now, in this parable, Jesus gives the explanation to his disciples, to anyone who wanted to stay after and listen to what uh, he had to say to stay after the service, if you will. Remember, be a stay after the service Christian. If you don't know what that means, go back into our archives in the last several sessions right before this one, and I explained what that means. It pays rich benef benefits and dividends to be a stay after Christian. But Jesus uh, gave the explanation of this parable to the stay after people, you know, the ones that stayed after the multitude had dispersed. He says uh, here in verse 36, when the multitudes went away, his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom and the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in, fi in the fire, so will it be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness or who practice sin and will cast them into the furnace of fire. That's that's another way of saying hell. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the son of the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And last week, as I was going through this parable and said many things about it, and, and, and if, again, if you missed that, you could go back to our last week's session and, and get caught up on what, what, what I said about it last week. But last week I said that a tear was a weed, and it is. You're talking about the parable of the wheat and the tares. And uh, I, I said last week that a tear is a weed. And, and that's true. Absolutely. But here's why I'm going over this message more in more detail today. We're taking a closer look at it. And it, it, it has to do with this right here. So I didn't, I didn't say this last week. I'm saying it this week. And I feel the Holy Spirit wanted me to spend a whole session to make this point right here to you. That yes, a tear is a weed, but it's not just a weed. It's not just a weed. A tear is a weed. Said that last week. But this week I want to center in on that it's not, it's a weed, but it's not just a weed. It, this, this message, I want you to get this now. A tear is not just a weed. A tear is a weed. Now get this. It's a weed that resembles wheat. It's a weed, not just a weed, but it's a weed that resembles wheat. It looks very much like wheat. There's a close resemblance between a tear and wheat. 
And it's hard to tell the difference between the two. Now again, I want you to get this. Last week, I brought out that a tear was a weed. But this week, and what, we, what I think the Holy Spirit wants us to spend time on here, is that a tear is not just a weed. It's a weed that looks almost identical to wheat. And there's a very, very deep and significant spiritual truth that we need to understand about this. So just listen as we, as we move on with this, and I think it'll be evident to you. Now, uh, reading from my notes here, there are weeds that, uh, there are, let me say it this way, there are weeds that look like weeds, and there are weeds that look like plants. Now, I'm talking from personal experience here on this one. As I told you last week, my wife is a horticulturist. I mean, she likes to plant flowers and plants, and she knows all, you know, the names of the different flowers and the plants, and and I mean, she could tell you the difference between a, if it's a plant or if it's a weed. I mean, just like that, just faster than I could snap my finger. She could tell you, oh, that's a plant. Uh, that's a weed. OK, well, I can't I, I have trouble sometimes on some of these things because there are weeds that clearly look like weeds. OK, <laughs> but there are weeds that 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 look like plants. Now, my wife, she can tell them apart, but, but, but I can't. <laughs> and most pe- a lot of people I've met can't tell them apart. But uh, that, that's why I learned a long time ago when I'm out with my weed eater, you know, my weed trimmer, you know, that, that, that weed eater trimmer, you know, where you trim the sidewalks. And Well, I use that around my house, you know, to trim not just the sidewalks, but other things, you know, and, and clear out different areas when the grass gets tall and whatnot. And that, I got a powerful one, too. I mean, that thing will really t- take off some, some brush. And, uh, but, but whenever I go into a particular area where I'm not sure if I should be weed eating in there or not, because there's, there's weeds that look like weeds and then there's, uh, there's weeds that look like plants. And so I've learned from experience before I go in and just start weed eating an area, I'll ask my wife and I'll say, now, you know, is, is this over here, is this a weed or is it a plant? And uh, I learned that because one time, way back, many, many years back, I, I went up on this certain area on the property where we live. And, and I mean, there's there some stuff there that look like weeds to me. Look like weeds to me. I'm telling you, looked like weeds to me. And I thought, well, I'm going to do a good deed here and I'm going to just whack these weeds and take my weed whacker here and I'm going to just, just mow them babies down and make the place really look nice. So I went in there and, and I, and I, and I removed those weeds. I sure did. The only thing is I found out after my wife came out, <laughs> they weren't weeds. They weren't weeds. They, she had planted them like the, 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 the season before and they were plants and they were just, they were just now coming up. And, and, and I guess they would have got, they would start looking pretty later, looking prettier, looking pretty later in the summer, I guess. But I caught them with, I mean, they were, they looked like weeds to me and I did away with them. <laughs> and I came, she came out there and, and she, well, she talked to me all right. And, and I learned, to, I, 
I learned the difference there. You know, there's, there's weeds that look like weeds and then there's weeds that look like plants. And so before I do any weed eating around this place where I live, I'll tell you for sure. I go ask my wife if they're, you know, is, is this a weed or is it a plant? <laughs> Because I want to go through that again. So I'm very cautious before I do any weed eating, you know, because again, I can look at something and, and, and I can't tell the difference. Is it, you know, now again, there are some weeds that's clearly weeds, and I even know they're weeds, but there's some that are, <laughs> that they look like weeds to me, <laughs> but they're plants. So the point is, tares, are weeds, but they look very much like wheat. And it's hard to tell them apart. And, you know, the Strong's Concordance, that's a, that's a Bible study book, uh, it calls a tear, it calls it a false grain. Now, there's great spiritual significance to, to where I'm going with all this. You just, you got to let me get there. And you'll see the spiritual significance about about it. A tear is a weed, but it's not just a weed. It looks like wheat. Uh, very important. So hang, hang on this and listen. Uh, the Strong's Concordance calls a tear a false grain. A false grain. Or we could say it in my own words, a tear is a false wheat. And you know the Bible talks about a, a lot of false different things it mentions. Did you know there's true love, but the Bible also talks about uh, a false love? Uh, I call it, the Bible calls it a, a, a feigned love, a fake love. There's real faith. And then there's, the Bible talks about a false faith. There's real teachers, real legitimate teachers of the Word of God, and the Bible talks about false teachers. There's real prophets of God, and there's false prophets. The Bible talks about Christians in general, that there's real for real Christians, and that's what this message is going to get to here in just a moment, but there's real for real Christians, and then there's, there's false brethren, the Bible talks about false brethren or fault we could say false christians uh the bible talks about real real uh uh, uh apostles and then fa- uh, false apostles so you know there's the wheat and there's the tear yes the tear is a weed but you know just to look at a tear it looks very much like the wheat. It's hard, really, it's hard to tell them apart. Hard to tell them apart. Just like there's real prophets and there's false prophets. And sometimes it's very hard to tell them, tell the difference. Real teachers, false teachers, real apostles, false apostles. Sometimes very hard to tell them apart. Real for real Christians. And Christians who just are Christians in name only, and but the, they they look like a Christian. They may even at times talk like a Christian, but upon closer examination, they're not. 
you know, thinking about apostles, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, the Bible says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So here he's talking about false apostles. There's the real and then there's false. And and what the Bible is saying here is that there, it's a counterfeit thing. It, 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 it's sometimes very difficult to tell the difference between the real and the, and, and the, the false or the fake, the counterfeit. And you, don't, you know, you think about counterfeiting and the devil is, he, I hate the devil, but listen, he's a master counterfeiter. And what is a counterfeit like a counterfeit uh, money? It, the counterfeiters try to make that money look as much like the real as possible so that it's hard for even the most professional of person to be able to tell the difference. Well, uh, that is also true in the kingdom of God as we see in the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, Jesus in his explanation talked about how the devil came in and, and sowed tares among the wheat. It's very hard to tell the, the wheat from the tares, the, the real from the counterfeit. And, uh, of course, ultimately, false things, as you study the word of God, can be identified by its fruit. Ultimately, what kind of fruit it brings forth. Jesus said of false prophets, he said they're wolves in sheep's clothing. See, they counterfeit themselves by the way they present themselves, but they're wolves, false prophets are, Jesus said, and he said by their fruit you will know them. So the false will ultimately be identified by its fruit. And it's interesting, tares, as I've said, look like wheat, especially in the early stages, it's very hard when wheat first comes up and tares come up. It's, it's hard, really hard early on to tell the difference between the two. Uh, but as they, as the wheat and the tares grow, then as time goes on, it becomes more evident that, uh, you know, uh, wheat is wheat and tares are not. And that wheat brings forth grain and good fruit and tares do not and are unprofitable. So there, 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 there's a lot of counterfeit things, as you know, in the world, a lot of deception in all areas of life. You have to be so careful. But the same thing is true in Christianity Sad to say, in the kingdom of God, sad to say. And Jesus is warning us, among other things in the parable of the wheat and the tares, he's warning us that, 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 you know, there's a lot of tares out there and they, it looks like wheat, but it's not. It's counterfeit and it's false. And we need to be aware of that. You know, as I've, as I've been around the things of God for, you know, over 40 years now and the 
as I've pastored for over, well, three decades, just about three decades and really longer than that if you added it all up and seen a lot, see, seen a good number of things over the years. But you know how I said earlier when I asked my wife, you know, is, is, is I'll, I'll bring her over to a certain area of the yard and I say, now, now before I weed eat, is this a weed? Are these weeds? Is this a weed? That's the question. Is this a weed? <laughs> You know, because like I said, sometimes weeds can, I think it's a weed and she tells me it's a plant, you know, <laughs> but here's the question. Is, you know, I'll say, is this a weed? Well, well, here it is. Pastoring and being around the things of God for all these years, I've asked myself this question on many occasions. Is this person a Christian? Or in some churches I've gone into over the years. Now, I'm not trying to be judgmental in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I'm just trying to teach you a truth that is brought out in the parable of the wheat and the tares. I, I believe it's very clear. You know, is it a wheat or is it a tare? Is it a weed or isn't it? Is it <laughs> are these person Christian or are they not? Is this person a Christian or, 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 is it, or aren't they? Is, at churches I've gone into, some of them, Quite a few over the years, just over the space of 40 years, some of them. You know, I ask myself, is, is this a church or, or you know, uh, some, of the, some of the largest media ministries and churches, quote unquote churches that you see on television, not all of them, but so many of them. You ask yourself, or I ask myself, is, 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 is that a church? Or, or, or I'll just say it now. I may say it again later. Is it a church or is it is it a, is it is it a, a, a is, is it a nightclub? Is, is it a church or is it a bar? You know, is it a church or is it a cruise ship? You know what I mean when I say cruise ship. You know, where the, the you know you know there's it's just. You know what I mean when I say a cruise ship? Is it the back in the seventies? There was a series on television called the Love Boat. You know, is it is it a church or is it the Love Boat? You know, well, there's real love and there's there's counterfeit love. There's wheat love and there's tear love. I'll say it that way. You know, when a person goes into church, they ought to know that they've walked into the house of God. There ought to be a difference. When you walk into a church, you ought to know you've come into a holy place. You ought to, the atmosphere ought to be different. One of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten in my life, and it happened on many occasions, I'd have young people, people in their teens that would come up to me when we were on location there, you know, at our church for 27 years and, and, and young people would walk up to me and it happened many times. They'd come up to me and I didn't even know who some of them were. They knew I was the pastor and they said, sir, they said, they said, uh, we just want to tell you when we walked in here, there's something different about this place. There's, there, there's something different. I mean, there's something, there's something, there's something different about this place. We could tell it when we pulled on the grounds, uh, when we pulled on the parking lot, it just kept getting strong. When we walked in the building, there's something different about this place. You know, when you walk into the house of God, it, it shouldn't be like walking into Walmart or walking into a bar or walking into a bowling alley or, or a cruise ship. Come on now. I mean, the, the, the atmosphere ought to be permeated with the, with the love of God and the power of God and the anointing of the Spirit of God. 
The preaching ought to be, uh, uh, ministers ought to be flames of Holy Ghost fire. Come on. Is it a wheat church or is it a tear church? You know what wheat and tear. We're talking, is it real or is it counterfeit? Does it look like the real? Does it, does it kind of mimic the real? That's one definition actually of a tear. It's a, it's a, it's a mimic wheat. A lot of churches mimic what a real church ought to be, but they're really not when you get right down to it. And a lot of Christians mimic what a real Christian ought to be, but when you get right down to it, they're not. A lot of preachers mimic what a real minister of the gospel ought to be, but when you get right down to it, they're, they're not. Not here to be judgmental. I'm just here giving you what I feel the Holy Ghost wanted me to give you today. My, my, my. Now, I want to be clear. Before I go on here, we're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by anything we do in and of ourselves. We're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. So let me be clear before I go on in that. Because I'm not teaching now as I go on a works-based salvation. I always teach a grace-based salvation because we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But I want you to hear me out as I move on here. And this all has to do with the wheat and the tares. Is it for real or is it not? Like there was a commercial back when I was growing up. Uh, cassette tapes were just coming out and they came out this one company, I guess, Memorex. It was so good it was hard to tell the tell if it was really a real person singing or if they were singing on tape and the commercial the slogan was is it real or is it memorex <laughs> well is it a, is it is it a wheat is it real for real or is it a tear is it fake it just looks like it's real but i believe that we're saved by grace through faith but i also believe that if we're really saved by grace through faith there ought to be evidence of that salvation and uh, notice here in Titus 2, go to Titus 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation. Now I think that's significant, the grace of God that brings salvation. Did you know, I talked a moment ago about the Bible calling, uh, you know, there, there's a love that's a fake love, and there's a, and there, there's, there's a faith that's a fake faith. But did you know that, that there's a message of grace that is a fake message of grace that's that's really permeated the United States in the, in the hour in which I'm bringing this to you. It, it has been going on now for many, many years. It's permeated. There's elements of truth in it. But when you get right down to it, it's not a it's not a wheat message of grace. It's a terror message. It mimics the real, but it's not. When you get right down to it, it's a fake message of grace. And the, you see, the real message of grace is the grace of God that brings salvation. You got to be careful. There's a fake message of grace that's out there that when you get right down to it, 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 it basically leaves people feeling it, that, well, they, you can live however you want. And it doesn't matter. As I, hear me out as I go on here through the word of God. I think we'll dispel that. But it's, it's, a, it's a tear message, if you will, of grace. But you see, there's a real message of grace. And the real message of grace uh, 
It says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present age. See, the real grace of God will bring salvation and that salvation will cause a change on the inside of us and will 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 prompt us to live a holy life before almighty God. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 I tell you what, we're saved by grace through faith, as I've said. And, uh, and as, as a result, the Bible teaches that as a result, good works will, will come forth from that. The good works, I heard a minister say this years ago, and it's so good. The good works are not the root of our salvation. The grace of God is the root of our salvation, but the good works would be the fruit of salvation. And just like a tear doesn't bring forth fruit, but wheat does, see? So we need to be sure that, that we're wheat and not tares. We need to be sure we've tapped into the true preaching of the grace of God that causes us to become, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. And that's, that's the root. The grace of God is the root of our salvation. But then if we're truly a Christian, a wheat Christian, a for real Christian, then, then fruit will come forth out of that and it'll produce good things of the fruit of the spirit, you see. Glory to God. And, you know, reading from my notes here, when someone says they are a Christian, it should declare something. It should declare this. It should say that, that you know, when somebody says they're a Christian, it should declare that, you know, that, that, that I have forsaken my own way to follow Jesus Christ. And... When someone says they're a Christian, they should be making a statement there that there's a difference now between them and the world. And, and, and as I've said, in, in being around Christians for decades, I have seen so many. And let me say this. I've seen so many good, wonderful, fantastic, for real, wheat Christians. Glory to God. But I've seen my fair share of them. That I, I look at them and I, like I asked my wife, is it a weed or is it a plant? Uh, is it a Christian or is it, or is it, or is it not? And, uh, when someone says they're a Christian, they should be declaring that they've forsaken their own way and that there is now a difference between them and the way the world lives and operates. And, and, and I've seen a good number of Christians where, you know, you can't tell the difference between you know, is it is it a wheat or is it a tear? Is it a weed? Is it a plant? Is it a Christian or is it, or, or a Christian or is it not? You know, Second Corinthians six verse seventeen says, "Come out from among them, or come out from the world, and be separate." Says the Lord, and touch not the unclean, and I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. You'll be sons and my sons and daughters. Says the Lord. So see, when we get saved, we come out of the world. We come out of the kingdom of darkness. God translates us. When we repent of our sins and receive Jesus as our Savior, I tell you what, the Holy Ghost goes into operation and He transform, He, he trans, He transfers us out of the kingdom of dark. He transforms us too, but He transfers us out of the kingdom of darkness out of that into the kingdom of light and we come out from among the darkness. We come out from among the world. We touch not that which is unclean. We don't look at that which is unclean. We don't partake of that which is unclean. And then the Lord said he'd receive us. 
And, and I'm just, I, I watch this over years and decades where Christians, quote unquote Christians have, you know, have, have supposedly gotten saved, but you, you watch them over time and, and, and you can't tell the difference. I'm not talking overnight or in a week or two, but I'm talking over years of time. You still can't tell the difference between, uh, the way they were before they got saved and the way they act before they supposedly got saved and the way they, they're still acting. There's no difference. There's no change. See, the grace of God that brings salvation will, will cause change in one's life. You understand that? And I've observed, reading from my notes here, I've observed there are Christians in name only, sad to say, but they're not for real. Now, I want to say I realize there's differing stages of spiritual development. And I understand that when someone first gets saved, the Bible calls them a baby Christian. And I realize that, that when a person first gets saved, they're, they, you know, they're a baby and, 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 and the Bible in 1 Corinthians 3 refers to, you know, new believers as, as babes in Christ. And, 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 and there's a carnality still, if you will, that, 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 that people have as Christians have as they go through the stages of spiritual development and all of that. And, and, and I, I understand that. And it takes time to grow up spiritually. And I'm not in any way talking here about people who get saved and they still are legitimately struggling in an area of sinfulness or, you know, or they blunder. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that, that, that say they're Christians. And, and they've been saying this for long periods of time and you can't tell the difference between them and the world. That's what I'm talking about. And, and, and that's, are they a wheat or are they a tear? That's what I'm talking about. You know, the tear and the wheat look the same in infancy. If you study into wheat and tear, wheat, wheat and tares, they look the same in infancy, but as they grow, the tear lacks substance, but the wheat has substance and bears fruit. You see, the person that gets saved, when they first get saved as a baby Christian, they may not look any different than the world. They just got saved, and they may be struggling with some, some things, you know, in their flesh, and you know what I'm talking about, different sins and whatnot. You know, I mean, some do. Now, thank God, some people, they get saved, and I mean, they just, I mean, they never struggle with any, very little, little, you know, what we call works of the flesh, but but most Christians, and I'm one of them, you, I got saved, but I still had, you know, things that my flesh still wanted to do that I had to, that I had to overcome, and still in some areas, still work on it. So, so understand where I'm coming from. I'm not saying any of us are are just living pristinely perfect. But you get you get saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a change in you, and you come out of the kingdom of darkness. You come into the kingdom of light. You know, there's a difference between light and darkness, isn't there? Last time I looked, there was, and and that's that's what it should be when you look at a Christian and a sinner. The difference between daylight and dark. But sad to say, there's so many Christians, they've been supposedly Christians for decades, and you can't tell the difference between them and a sinner. You understand, and I realize that, that, that some people, you know, when they get saved, they still struggle with, with some, some still tr struggle, you know, in, 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 in different areas of, of, of different, and I, I don't want to start calling different names of things uh, right now, but, you know, there's, they still struggle in some areas with their flesh. 
but they're still saved. They're born again. But, but, but the power of God works on them. And in the process of time, they're clearly a wheat. They struggle for a while and they, they work. The spirit of God works with them and they sit under a good, in a good church under good teaching and the power of God works on them. And, and they, 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 you know, in the process of time, they're living, they're living right. They're living godly as the Bible says. Blunder, we all blunder, we all miss it, but I'm talking about a lifestyle, and so many, they supposedly get, supposedly get saved, but they, but you can't tell the difference between them and a sinner, you know, 10, 15, 20 years after, 30 years, 40 years, supposedly after they got saved, there's something wrong there. Did they get saved in the first place? I, I'm not the judge. But I've dealt with many quote-unquote Christians who've supposedly quote-unquote been saved for a long time and you can't tell the difference between them and, and sinners. Again, I want to reiterate, I'm not talking about people making mis- Christians now, blundering, making a mistake. You know, are, are people who get saved as baby Christians and they grow spiritually and they're still struggling in some areas. I'm talking about people who say they're Christians and, and many years after they say they're Christians and they're still Still, you can't tell the difference between them and the sinner. There's something wrong. As the Bible says in the book of James, these things should not ought to be so. You know, in 1 John 2.19, the Bible says, talking about, we talked about false brethren. Let's, let's camp on that just a minute. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not of us. So you see, these people that he's talking, the Bible's talking about here, they were, they were, they were in among Christians, like the wheat, like the tares were among the wheat, but he says they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. See, that's, that's just another way of giving that parable of the wheat and the tares. You know, there, 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 there's tares among the wheat. There's the fake among the real. And there's a lot of people who are Christians, sad to say in name only. They went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. You know, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, dealt with this issue. And and he said some things here that, that we all ought to think about. 1 Corinthians 5, 9, he says this to this church in Corinth. And it was one of the most... Uh, uh, <laughs> problemed churches of the New Testament. And uh, there's much sexual immorality in Corinth and, and a lot of idolatry and a lot of problems there and people were getting saved and, and, and Paul was, was taught them and he, he was telling them, hey, you've got to come out from among those things and now you're a child of God. You don't, you don't, you're not, you're not going to be in idolatry anymore. You can't live in sexual sin anymore. You know, this, and, and that's what a good deal of 1 Corinthians has, has to do with. But here, he, he writes here and he says, I wrote to you in my epistle, 1 Corinthians 5, 9, not to keep company with the sexually immoral people. Now listen to this. Yet, now listen to this. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters since then you'd have to go out of the world. See, we as Christians ought to be light in darkness. We ought to, he's, he's not saying that, hey, that we should, 
well, he, I can't say it any better than he said it. He said, he said, I wrote to you not to keep company with sexually immoral people, but I did not mean the sexually immoral people of the world. See, we're supposed to, we don't run with the sexually immoral people of the world, but we're going to be around them and we should be a witness to them of the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ so that they might hear the gospel and get saved as well. So if he's not talking about the sexually immoral people of the world, then who's he talking about? Sexually immoral people, sexually immoral people of who? He said it's not of the world. He's talking about it within the church. Let's read on here. He says, verse 11, But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. Or we could say named a Christian. Christian in name only, if you will. He said, not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. I mean, wow. Now you think about that. He's saying that there's tares among the wheat. He's saying that there's Christians in name only within the church. And he said not to keep company with anyone named a brother, named a Christian. We talked about false brethren earlier. Named a Christian who is sexually immoral, covetous, idolater, reviler, drunkard, or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. You know, you know, there's probably people that you may have gone out to eat with after the service that you probably shouldn't have been going out to eat with. <laughs> a lot of Christians go out after the service and eat, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not against that, but you need to watch who you're going out to eat with. <laughs> Much I could say about that. What is he saying? He's saying that among the church, within the church, there's a lot of Christians, quote unquote, Christians in name only. That's a powerful statement. And you know, if you preach that statement right there in a lot of churches in the United States, they'd throw, they'd throw the preacher out for preaching that. And it's right out of the Bible. There's churches right here in St. Louis that if I got up and preached that message in the, in the pulpit, they, well, they wouldn't let me anywhere near their pulpit to start with. And if I got up and preached that, that, just that one verse, I'd get tossed out. Absolutely. It's sad, isn't it? I'm not, I'm, I'm not beat here to beat people up. I'm, I, look, I, I, I dropped all my rocks a long time ago. You know what I mean by that? I mean, remember when the people came out to, to stone the woman who was caught in adultery and, you know, Jesus started writing on the ground and, and when he got done writing, they dropped all their rocks and left. You know, I dropped all my rocks. I used to be a rock carrier when I was a kid, uh, you know, baby Christian and throw, you know, you know what I mean? Hey, I dropped all my rocks. I, 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 I think about that. I mean, I'm not... I, but, but yet as a minister of the gospel, the Holy Spirit at times wants me to say things like this. My, my, my. Anyone named a brother. It, you know, as a Christian, it's not okay to uh, be sexually immoral. It's not okay to commit fornication. It's not okay to commit adultery. It's not okay to be a homosexual. It's not okay to be covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner. 
I preached a message a couple, I don't know, a year or so ago on uh, alcohol in the church. You ought to go back in the archives and listen to that. You might think a second time before you take a drink of alcohol. Did you know as you study about uh, tares and wheat and all that, did you know that within tares there are tiny black seeds and if you were to eat them, they can cause you to become sick? Did you know that? You got to be watchful hanging around the tares. Oh yeah. The Bible says bad communication or bad company corrupts good morals. I'm going to go on I'm going to go on and finish this message. If it goes on too long for you, then you just pause me and go do whatever you have to do, come back later and finish it. But let's let's preach on here. I don't have anything else to do. Let's just go on. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, these are some things we need, we need to, we need to, we need to think about. Is you know, no, you can, how, how can you be a Christian and, a, and an adulterer? Now I'm not talking, you slip and make a mistake. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about practicing adultery. Or fornication. That means two people having sex are not married. You know, there's lots of fornication that goes on in churches across the country. And what, what aggravates me even more is that a preacher never stands up and, and addresses it. I don't mean calling people out individually and, and embarrassing them. I'm just talking about generally preaching that we shouldn't be fornicating. That's having sex outside of marriage. And, and it, it aggravates me, like I said, even more that the preacher isn't making people aware of it. They're too busy throwing sugar cookies to an already diabetic congregation. You know, the Holy Ghost got this across to me a long time ago. He said, he said at Summit Church, he said, it's what he spoke to my heart. I didn't hear an audible voice, but right on the inside, he said, at Summit Church, everybody is welcome. But nobody's comfortable, including myself, if there's something in your life that you're practicing that shouldn't ought to be there. Now, let's look at some more scriptures along these lines. 1 Corinthians 6 Verses 9 through 11, Amplified Classic Bible. Do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now he's writing to this Corinthian church, but it applies to you and me. He said, don't be deceived. See, it's so easy to be deceived. It's so easy. The tares and the wheat, really, it's all about deception in, 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 in many ways, isn't it? The tares look just like the wheat. Don't be deceived, misled, neither the impure. Now, what's he talking about? The unrighteous wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Don't be misled or deceived, neither the impure and immoral. That's fornicators. That's having sex when you're not married. Idolaters. Anything you put ahead of God, you become an idolater. Adulterers. That's, ha that's being married and having sex with people you're not married to. Are those who practice or participate in homosexuality. I'm going to just say it. You, how, how can how can you be a Christian and a homosexual? It does not, like the robot said on Lost in Space, it does not compute. The Bible says homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're practicing that, you need to you need to repent. You need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, absolutely, and get out of that wicked lifestyle, absolutely. Says you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Don't get mad at me. Get a Bible and read it. First Corinthians six nine. 
I heard one of the most famous uh, 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 singers, I guess, in the land. And and she got up the other night on a big award show. I saw a clip of it. She she thanked God, and then she thanked she thanked God for the gay community. Well, I'm not here to bash gay people, but I am here to say that 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 homosexuality, adultery, fornication, along with idolatry, and these other things. You can't practice these things and, and make heaven. I, I didn't say it. Don't get mad at me. The Bible said it. And you ought to be glad I'm standing here telling you what the Bible said. We need preachers in the land that'll tell people what the Bible said. And it's saying, he says, nor cheats, swindlers, thieves, nor greedy, graspers, nor drunkards, nor foul-mouthed, reviled, foul-mouthed, foul-mouthed. How many... Cussing Christians have I dealt with over the years. Supposed Christians in their mouth, they, they, they cuss like a drunken sailor, some of them. I've heard preachers cuss. Oh, yeah. A, 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 unbelievable. Foul mouthed revilers, slanders, extortioners, robbers, will none of them will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. That ought to sober us all up. You know what I mean? That's a sobering statement. A lot of people don't want to read that verse. It makes them uncomfortable, but it's the Bible. He says, verse 11, and such were some of you. See, to this church, he's writing in Corinth, applies to you and me, such were some of you. But see, he's saying, hey, you got saved and came out of that, thank God. You can't live in that lifestyle and think think you're going to make heaven. Yeah, but the preacher said, I'm saved by grace. And I'm saved by grace. Uh, you know, and I'm going to go to heaven. Well, you know... <laughs> There's a fake grace being preached, but the grace that brings forth salvation says you get saved by grace, but then that grace teaches you to live right. I know some of this preaching gives some people a nervous breakdown, but some people could use a little, little need to be made a little nervous for, from some pulpits. It's not to beat people up. It's to arrest people and get their attention to shake them out of the spiritual lethargy that they're in and say, hey, my gosh, I can't be living this way. I need to square things up and get right with God. Absolutely. Such were some of you, but you're washed, you're clean, consecrated, set apart and justified in the name of the Lord and by the spirit of almighty God. Praise God. Get saved and come out of all these things is what he's saying. These horrible things that we talked about. Look at Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word. We're talking about the wheat and the tares. The Christians, real Christians versus Christians in name only. Look, let no Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. How many Christians, supposed Christians, have I dealt with over the years that they'll go to an R-rated movie and think nothing of it? PG-13, PG... I mean, they and, and they'll go to these things and they'll listen to one foul word right after the next, one F word right after the next, one GD right after the next. I'm talking people who've been supposedly saved for years and they're going to these things and, 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 and find nothing wrong with it. Going to movies where there's all kinds of sexual uh, uh, sin being done on the screen and, or they watch it on home on their television and they have no problem with it. Absolutely. 
They'll put on Facebook, just watch such and such and such and such movie. And then, you know, my wife will look it up on the, on the rating thing, whatever she looks at. And you, you know, 30, 32 times they use an F word and, and, and five times they took the name of the Lord. They said GD and, 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 and sexual, sexual promiscuity. And, and, and you got, you got Christians going on social media and preachers and quote unquote notable preachers. And even I know right here, even in the St. Louis area, notable preachers that will go on social media and, and tout that they've watched such, such and such movie. And then you go you go look at the review of the movie and, it, and, and one F word right after the next one GD right after the next one sexual scene right after the next. And, and, and preachers, leaders in the community putting that on Facebook, not ashamed of it. My goodness, these things ought not so to be. Are you a wheat or are you a tear? What are you? Come out from among them and be you separate. That's what the Bible said. And I could go on and on. I remember we interviewed some quote-unquote ministers who had graduated from a certain Bible school some years back and we were interviewing them to come and do our teenage ministry and as we talked to them we, we found out that you know they watch r-rated movies and didn't phase them well we're not going to hire them and they got mad well you know we told them you can't you can't do that they got mad absolutely and there was more than one that we interviewed that was such the case look at james 3 8 this making you nervous <laughs> well when there's some Holy Ghost preaching going on, it, it tend to make people a little bit nervous sometimes. If uh, James 3.8, Amplified Classic, but the human tongue can be tamed by no man. It's a restless, undisciplined, uh, uh, irreconcilable, uh, evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless, now watch it. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. These things, my brethren, ought not so to be. And my, 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 have I ever seen this one? I have, I mean, I, I've seen this one to the point that it just, it, it, it absolutely nauseates me. As a minister of the gospel, I've watched this for years before I was a, a minister and, and for years since. For all, over 30 years, I have watched Christians, quote unquote Christians, are they a wheat or are they a tear? Go into church and raise their hands to God and sing hallelujah, praise the Lord and all of that. And then leave that church service and they'll go out to a restaurant and they'll sit down and they'll, they'll, they'll cut their pastor up one side and down the other. They, with their tongue talking bad, they've got a tongue so sharp they could tri trim a hedge. It's sharper than my weed eater. They'll go out and talk bad, not just about their pastor, but about this one and that one. And they'll tell lies and this, that, and the other. Are they a wheat? Or are they a tear? Are they saved or are they saved, a Christian in name only? Talking bad about other folks, lying on them. I've seen this one to the point it makes me spiritually nauseated. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Amplified Classic. But understand this, that in the last days will come, set in perilous times of great stress and trouble. For people will be lovers of self, self-centered lovers of money, arised by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth. Hyper-prosperity teaching in the land. Proud, arrogant, contemptuous boasters, abusive, 
blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, profane. It's in the last days. Without natural affection, callous, in, inhumane, re, uh, relentless, ad, uh, admitting no truce or appeasement. There'll be slanders. There it is, slanders, false accusers, troublemakers. I had a lot of Christians over the years that they weren't troublemakers in church, wonderful people, but I had some that were troublemakers. They were just trouble. They were trouble from the time they walked in the door till the time they walked out. I had a few of those. Most of the people I had are pretty much good folk. I say pretty much. They were very good folk, but, but I had some, some problems too, like any pastor. Are you a weed or are you a tear? Are you blessing your pastor or are you a troublemaker? If you're a troublemaker, straighten up. Intemperate, loose in morals and conduct. Loose in morals and conduct. Are you a wheat or are you a tear? Uncontrolled, fierce, haters of good, treacherous, rash, inflated with self-conceit, lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements, more than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of true piety, they hold the form of godliness. They deny and reject the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. See, they're Christian in, in word only, but not in actual deed. The Bible says, avoid these people and turn away from them. I can't make it any more clear than that. Jesus said that there'd be people that draw near to him with their mouth but their, and honor him with their lips, but their heart would be far from him. The book of Titus says that there's a group of people that profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Just reading from my notes here, again, social media. My wife and I, we, we look at it some. And people will list themselves saying, as I've said, I want to reiterate, they'll list themselves as being a Christian. Yet you look at some of the risque pictures they put up of themselves and, 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 and even of others. And, and the, the, the foul, sexually explicit language and F words and things that they put on their social media and they call themselves Christians. And you wonder, how can these things be? Are they a wheat or are they a tear? I talked about notable Christian ministers that quote unquote notable Christian ministers who put on social media how they'll, they, hey, I just saw that movie. And as I said earlier, the, you look up what they went and saw and it's full of F words and GDs and so on and so forth. But, 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 you know, I tell you what, as I said earlier, I want to say it again, you know, Particularly a church, when you go into it, I just feel I have to reiterate this. Have you gone into a church, a place where the man of God or the woman of God is calling people to repentance and the healing power of God's flowing through the congregation? Or is it like a cruise ship or is it like a bar or a discotheque or a nightclub? And while I'm on it, I, I might as well say this too. You know, Christian leaders, ministers ought to dress like like ministers. Absolutely. They should look like a bum that just came out of an alley. 
Absolutely. Come on now. And they ought to dress modestly. I tell you, see, I, I, I've seen a few of these on, 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 the, on the media where the, the, the preacher, the man comes out and he's muscular and there's nothing wrong with that. More power to him. But his shirt's so tight and his jeans are so tight, they're almost popping. And, and, and you, you expect a woman to sit there and watch that and concentrate on the word of God. I'm for dressing nice, but not provocatively. You don't know, is he, is he, I'll just say it, is he, is he a preacher or is he, is he getting ready to do a strip tease? Now, come on. And the same thing I've seen some women, not putting anybody down, but somebody needs to say it. Might as well be me. They come out, you know, you look up there. How's a man supposed to sit when the lady up there is preaching, dressed in, I, I mean, I don't mean this ugly, but I feel impressed to say it. Is she a preacher or is she a prostitute? I, I, I come on, come on. You know, come on now. You know, I'm all for dressing nice, looking nice, women looking nice. My wife, she dresses nice. She's kept right up to the minute in her hairstyle, her clothes, beautiful woman. But you'll never see my wife dressed provocatively, sexually. She doesn't want to do that. Is it a weed or is it a tear? I know these are some bold things, but like I said, somebody needs to say it. So I'm saying it. Whoever wants to listen. Come on now. Oh, he's just being mean-spirited. No, I'm, I'm being Holy Ghost-spirited here, teaching the Bible. We as Christians, we ought to look different. I mean, we can dress up to date. We can absolutely and look sharp. At, we, ought to look, we ought to look sharper than the world, absolutely. But we, there shouldn't be a sexual provocativeness about us. You need to realize sex sells. And that's why some of these ministers do that. But I tell you what, it's, it shouldn't ought to be that way. We ought to, ministers ought to come out looking like ministers, ought to dress right up sharp, but there should be no, no sexual provocativeness about it. Come on. Skirt so short, so tight. Come on. I'm not taking it back. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I go to church, I want to think about the Word of God. I, I don't want to sit there and have to, you know, have to, have to, you know, while the lady's preaching, look the other way to hear what she's saying. Come on now. Let's finish this up. Galatians 5.19. Now the doings or the practices or the works of the flesh, this amplified classic, are obvious. Immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery. That's witchcraft, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, divisions. A party spirit is the way. A party spirit. Hey, I like a good party. I do. I like having a good party. But this isn't talking about having a good party. It's talking about like a, a party spirit. You know what I mean when I say a party spirit. You know what I'm talking about. Drunkenness and revelry and that kind of thing. And that's what I was saying. You go into a, a lot of churches. My God, you can't tell. Is it a church or is it a, is a party? The Holy Spirit ought to be rolling through those places. Not a party spirit. Come on now. By the way, you get the Holy Ghost rolling. You know, you let him flow. Praise God. I tell you what, people will come, get healed. People getting healed, set free by the power of God. That's what I'm after. I don't, I, I, you know, come on. Party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. This works of the flesh. Christians oughtn't to be this way. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, those that do such things or practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Revelation 22 verse 15 says outside, outside the kingdom of God are dogs. What does that mean? It's not talking about animals here. It's talking about those who don't have a covenant with God. It could also be talking about homosexuals. There's not going to be homosexuals, people who practice homosexuality in heaven, not going to be there. But let's don't just pick on homosexuals. The Bible says adultery is wrong, fornication is wrong, idolatry is wrong, being foul-mouthed is wrong. Come on. Backbiting, talking bad, gossiping, gluttony. Come on now. You know, I've seen ministers sometimes up there weighing you know, like 300 pounds beating somebody over the head for, for, for messing up sexually and they need to watch how many jelly donuts they're eating. Now I can talk about that because I used to be way overweight. And bless God, by the grace of God, I was able to get the weight off. But I watch people, I'm thinking about one ministry beating people up for, you know, other sins that they had in their life and he weigh, weighs 400 pounds, so to speak. Come on. Is it a, is it a weed or is it a tear? My, 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 my. Outsider, dogs, no covenant with God, homosexuals, sorcerers, people that practice witchcraft, people that try to control one another, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. How many quote-unquote Christian liars have I met in my life? I'm talking about quote-unquote Christians that practice it. You don't, you, you can't trust them. Liars. Is it a weed or is it a tear? What's a true sign of a, being a weak Christian, a for real Christian? First Corinthians, uh, first John, first John two, verse three, a true sign. I could give you many, but for the sake of time, I'm already way over my time. But a true sign of being a for real Christian is by this, First John 2, verse three, by this we know that we are of him, of the Lord, if we keep his commandments. I remember one day I was preaching to my mom and, and she was a born again uh, Christian. She loved the Lord and, and, and received him and trusted in him. But I remember one day I was preaching to her and I was telling her, you know, how we're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. You know, and, and she'll never forget. She looked at me and she said, yes, we are. But she, she said this. She said, you also have to live according to it. Now, I tell you what, that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. I mean, he spoke to me loudly and clearly right through my mother. What I was preaching, you got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, yes, you do. But you also have to live according to it. And I think that that part of the message has been left out of this false grace teaching that we've has been permeating the country. This terror message, if you will, of grace. Yes, you also have to live according to it. I like the way Billy Graham called people to Christ. He said, you must do three things. You must repent. He said, you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you must follow him and live right for him. And that last part really hasn't been really the first part, the repentance and the last part. You need those three parts in the grace message. And the first part and the last part has been left out in this false grace message. You know, all you get is the believe on Jesus part. But then the implication is go on living however you want. No, there must be a repentance. There must be a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you must follow him and live right before him. Absolutely the truth. 
That's the message of grace. You're saved through that grace, but that grace produces holy living. That's what makes you a wheat and not a tear, is, is, is those three elements, you see. By this we know him if we keep his commandments. My mother said, yes, but you also have to live according to it. Not that the living according to it gets you your salvation, but if you're truly believing on Christ, then you'll live according to it. You'll have a desire to live. If you don't have a desire to live right, then you, then you are a tear and you do need to get saved. If you're truly a born again, you'll have a desire on the inside of you to live right. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, uh, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. And then one other verse that comes to mind. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty five, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's how you can know that you're a wheat, not a tear. And while I'm on it, right before I close, I want to say this, because we've been looking kind of at sexual things here today and whatnot, but let me, before I'm, before I'm done here, let me just sweep the rest of it out from behind a, behind a door. Remember this, we, are, we, we as wheat Christians, wheat, we should be Christians far more than we're politicians. I tell you what, we ought to be involved in politics. We ought to speak up and let our voice be heard. And yes, yes, yes. But I tell you what, we, we ought to love Jesus far more than we love a politician or a former president. Absolutely. Absolutely. We ought to love Jesus far more than that. We ought to love Jesus far more than we love a former president. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't be involved in politics and vote and, 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 and make our voice be heard. But we should, here's the thing. We shouldn't become mean spirited. And I tell you what, in the last couple of few, four, five, six, seven, well, I guess it's four, five, six, six years or so back, I've watched Christians just turn mean. And they be, be, be got involved in politics. Glad they got involved in politics, but they got mean. Mean. I tell you what, are you a weed or are you a tear? We could be involved in politics without being mean. Absolutely. I'll just tell you, one night I was sitting right in that room over there. You can't see it, but right in that room over there and I was exercising. This goes back and, and I had the news on and the, the former president was having a rally and they were the, the crowd was going, lock her up, lock her up. Lock her up. And I'm sitting there exercising and I just, I just joined right in. I was going, lock her up, lock her up. And right on the inside of me, I, I didn't hear an audible voice, but right on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost said to me, what are you doing? And that's the way he said, just like that, what are you doing? And it startled me. What, what do you mean? What am I doing? And what he was trying to get across to me was, Hey, I can be involved in politics. But I don't have to become mean. I mustn't become mean. I can't become mean and still re maintain my Christian testimony. Come on now. Maybe this is speaking as much to some people listening as anything else. And then I know some weeks later, he, the Lord had me get up into church service and give you that, what happened to me, you know, lock her up and give that, that little testimony. And not everybody, but a lot of people got mad at me. Oh, they got mad at me as mad as madder than a wet hornet for because they were doing it too. Lock her up, lock her up, and they couldn't see anything wrong with it. If you can't see anything wrong with it, you need to go to your prayer closet and seek God. Because we shouldn't be that way and, and enter in enter in with the meanness if we're truly wheat Christians. 
At the end of the parable of the wheat and tares, don't ever forget this. Jesus said that the tares would be gathered together and they'd be burned in the fire and there'd be weeping and there would be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And that's where the tares are going to ultimately wind up. He said this, he said, let, let the wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I'll say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. Then he went on to say, therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They'll gather out of the kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Those who practice lawlessness... You can't, when you get saved, you can't continue to live however you want. And I, I know that false grace message will take various scriptures and try to chip away at what Jesus was saying right there and try to water that down. But remember, there's a false grace message, false, a tear, a false grace message that does that. Every other scripture in the Bible, if it's unless you twist it, if it's not twisted, doubles down on what Jesus said there. You can't live however you want and still make heaven. Yeah, but I'm a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there'll be fruits of it. Just like the wheat, when it grows, there's fruit. But the tares, when it grows, there's no fruit. And if you do partake of it, it'll just make you sick. A tear, that is. So, remember, the tares wind up in hell. So don't be a tear. Are you a wheat? Are you a tear? If you're a wheat, the Bible says, Jesus said, you'll shine forth in the end. But if you're out there... You don't know Jesus as your Savior. You need to repent of your sins. You need to receive Jesus, call on His name, and then you need to follow Him. If you're out there and this message, you've heard it, and maybe you've been Christian in name only, and, and this has arrested you, got your attention, maybe you have really received Jesus, but you've got off into sin and whatnot, and, and, and it's been bothering you that you hadn't been living right, now is a good time to repent. So if you've never received Jesus ever in your life, receive him now. Repent, receive him, and live for him. Call on his name. And if, and if you have done that in the past, but, but you just you hadn't been living right, now is a good time. Repent. And, 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 and conf- the Bible says if we confess, to Christians, says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you do right, that right now. Take advantage of that and get right with God. Because if you practice sin, the Bible says you're going in with the terrors into the fire, into the fires of hell. And, and you, don't, you, you don't need to do that. You mustn't do that. You make the change and do it before it's too late. Well, hey, God bless you. I'm going to stop right here. Went way too long, but hey, blessing of media. You can pause me and watch it later. I'll see you next week. And uh, we'll pick up with, with another parable and move on. God bless you. Bye-bye. <music> 